Yeah, I could have. I have, like I said, a traveling museum. Yeah. And I usually take this around. Now, these were featured in the Pennsylvania State Museum mm. um, magazine. And I say, welcome home. Because they haven't been up here. She hasn't been up here in a while. This is Jenny. The last of the surviving wooden headstones that we know of in the country. Wow. Now, her husband George is in my house. <laughs> and she she usually is. Is this on top of something? It's the, the wood. The wood. Not really lovely there, but. Thank you. Is that better? Yeah. Alrighty. Now, when we were. Remember, I had mentioned about all the, the trees and the weeds and everything? Sometimes it's good to leave things alone, but unfortunately we couldn't because we had to get in here and clean. And when I first started cleaning this cemetery, uh, with all the amount of trees, you couldn't walk through without bouncing into another tree. And so we um, was fortunate to have gotten this upper part, well not here, but from this where my car is at all the way down to the stop sign, we got all those trees down one year. The second year we came in and was able to remove trees here at the same time try to pull up all the stumps mm. we had truckload after truckload after truckload of stumps you know to, to be removed and so in doing so when we went to remove some of the stumps over here on the far side of the white picket fence and over to its left there was a young man who was in charge of pulling out debris and weeds and he comes running to me because it was rainy. We're up here working in the rain. I mean, working in the rain. And he said, you gotta see this, you gotta see this. And laying flat underground was Jenny and George. So we were blessed to be able to pull them up. We sat them up and we placed them right where they were. And we left them there for a number of years. And as we, you know, kept looking, it's like, oh, they're starting to fall apart. So what do we do? What happened was, at the same time, a relative, the granddaughter, got a hold of us, and us being the friends of Medellin, and she said that she was looking for her grandparents, and she wanted to know if I knew where they were. I'm like, well, yeah, <laughs> you know. So what they did is organize a little small family reunion, and they ended up putting in a granite headstones. And I told them I was going to remove these and keep them you know, safeguard it because it's part of the Midland story. Yeah. And that way we can show the history of Jenny and George, which, by the way, are the great-grandparents of the state representative, uh, Roebuck, um, who is down in the Philadelphia region. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm yet to see him, but one day I will. Maybe he'll come up and visit with his ancestors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, a, it's, you know, part of the preservation of it all. Remember I said it's about restoration, preservation, and education. So uh, to have this uh, remarkable piece of wood, we did try to uh, get it preserved so it wouldn't fall apart anymore. But it is wood. It is old. The other thing is that we've had uh, some of my board members from early on that was very good at um, sharing some of the things that they had before they passed away. And Miss Etta Payne actually gave me her template to her um, great grandparents' head. Um, I keep calling it a headstone, but it's you know it's a marker, it's a, it's a wood, it's a 
you know, yeah. <laughs> something. <laughs> and it, yeah, she would give it to a, a person who was good at hand, working with wood. Mm -hmm. And he would carve out something similar to this and with the template would lay it over so that he could paint, you know, and mm -hmm. then um, be able to utilize that year after year. She kept it in pristine condition along with the deeds and everything else to her ancestors that are buried here. So we have gathered the, of those type of things, yeah. you know. So it's a... Uh, more than just um, cleaning off the headstones, it's it's more about bringing their stories to life. It's about making sure people understand that these were the human beings at one time, that um, you know they were instrumental in creating the foundation of what you have to stand upon now. And I'm not talking about the cemetery, but I'm talking about the world. You know, we have I'm doing a, a project called the Cocoon Project which the artist is out of New York City, the director is out of Paris, France, and the Cocoon Project is about those people, and I'm gonna say people, who worked at the Bethlehem Steel Company, you know, the Pennsylvania Steel Company that used to be out here on the west side of Stilton. And those men that they brought in, those African, African American men that they brought in from the southern states uh, to have them work. And it was like close to a thousand men that they brought over a number of years and then they housed them almost like a concentration camp because the information that I found shows that uh, they didn't want them out running around and getting drunk and they had guns and council had pastors so that they couldn't have guns but everybody else could have a gun mm. then they had police officers around them you know and so those stories are those men who are buried here in these hallowed grounds need to be told you know it was called Locust Grove and to be brought up here and said, okay, well, we want you to work at the mill. We want you to, we're gonna put you in the dirtiest, filthiest, filthiest, filthiest part of the world called the Coke oven, which my father worked in, and ended up with black lung. And we're gonna get you to do the job at the minimal amount of wage. And your life really don't mean anything. We just need you to get the work done, you know? And if you die on the scene, we'll just, that's it. But those men are buried here and it's sad yeah. we know when I look at the history of these people that brought in and some of them became World War One veterans but unfortunately they didn't know how to read or write the majority of them didn't know how to read or write you're talking about coming out of slavery and reading and writing was illegal you're talking about people that were trying to get that education not so much for themselves but for the kids and you're talking about those men who just wanted to have a job to be self-sustaining and those men were corralled at that Locust Grove, before they went into the Bethlehem Steel or the Pennsylvania Steel Company to work, and they had a sheriff there, according to the newspaper articles, they had the sheriff there, they had uh, people there that was there from the military that would sign them up so that they could go off the war. They had their exes, you know, make your mark, make your mark, you know, and these men are buried here. And I have list after list after list of the people who were corralled from that locust grove, put in a line that says, sign here. <laughs> I also have notes where some of them say, okay, I'm out of here. I'm going back down south. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, so like, okay, I'm gone. <laughs> yeah. But some of their descendants are still here. Some of their children's children are here, buried here, and also still walking around here. And they have no idea about their ancestors so one of my jobs is trying to make sure that they know about their history yeah. 
you know now I'm not asking for them to come up here and take care of it you know you, you should feel it on your own soul to get up here and take care of it but what I'm saying is that you get to know who your ancestors were so you know who you are because look every time you look at yourself in the mirror you need to say which one am I looking like is it my mom my dad my brother you know am I looking like my aunt oh no I'm looking like like great 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 ancestor today when I look at my body's color I'm like this is a combination of that white man that American Indian person you know I'm looking at all these cells that are making me up as Barbara Barksdale is a combination of all the ancestors that was before me because without them I wouldn't be you know so I want the people ahead of me like my children grandchildren great-grandchildren if they ever come along which don't seem like it's going to happen but so I have to attack my nieces and nephews and say get to know who you were where you come from so you can appreciate where you're going and also how you got to be where you're at because without this here foundation you are nothing you are nothing so use it to your advantage you know so but anyway um Midland has some awesome people here we have Peter Sullivan Blackwell who was the very first black councilman for the borough of Stilton he came up here in around 1880s. He helped to organize the hygienic school for colored children. He got to have his own little uh, press, you know, and put out his own newspaper. Uh, and he hid it in the back of his house, like behind the cellar area, is what I was told by various people from that generation of people that got to least glimpse him. And I have a set of all his newspapers and such like that. And Peter, uh, I used to say he used to write white. But I'm like, as I learned over the years, it's because he wrote what he wanted, but he also extracted information like almost all newspapers did, and even what they're doing today, mm -hmm. from other sources and bringing it in to make that whole complete newspaper. So uh, Peter Sullivan Blackwell is buried here. He became first black councilman for the borough in 1904. And he had a, a couple of good runs there. And then, you know, as everybody, push you out, push you out, push you out, you know. <laughs> but uh, Peter uh, was... A phenomenal man and I went down to Harper's Ferry to try to find the school that he supposedly went to still have not located it but um, I'm finding that he had relatives down south and I think I may have found where his uh, relatives ended up in California and, and moving along with that you know so Peter Selvin Blackwell we're going to really try to do something to memorialize him also and what he did for the area along with you know Mr. Trenner and all those other guys that all got to know each other and there were their little hubs of people and those they were political mm -hmm. you know they were um, financiers you know they were a little bit of everything but they were also the grassroots person they helped to start our first churches you know they were our first doctors like Dr. Uh, George Jones uh, they were our people that helped to <laughs> you know we come from people that had to survive so we didn't have that doctor per se to go to you know so we had we had to survive so we had those people in there that knew how to pull the roots and you worrying about some coronavirus you better go back and get your roots <laughs> get your roots guys get your roots okay because all this other stuff you know you fix one thing and kill another you got to be careful with that you got to be really careful. How many times you say, how many times do you see on the, on the commercials that, oh, we'll take this medicine, but this is the side effects, yes. including death. Really? Uh-uh. Y'all go get your roots. Go get some aloe juice. 
okay? <laughs> Go get some dandelion root. Remember, your great-grandmothers might have talked to you about grand dandelion roots. And I'm serious. You over there laughing. You better go no, get some dandelion yeah. roots. <laughs> Is there a, have a garden mm -hmm. around yeah, here? Better go, too, don't yeah. get the ones that the dog peed on. Just go get the ones that get some good <laughs> dandelion roots. But, you know, you need to get things like that and really try to cleanse your body and make your body healthy. You know, because that's the only way we're going to stay away from all these diseases and problems. And that's what our ancestors did. You know, I can remember my, my aunt telling me when my dad was ill, go get him some pot liquor. I'm like, pot liquor? You know what pot liquor is, no. you know? It's Not like, liquor liquor, like alcohol liquor. No. Nah. That's, well, that's why I looked at this guy. No, <laughs> no, no, pot liquor. That's what you called it back in the day, okay? Yeah. So you go and drink that and keep yourself healthy. Yeah. When you can't get anything else down, you drink some pot liquor, you know, yeah. and get your nutrients in. Mm -hmm. So we have to go back to those days. And we have to make sure it's organic. Grow it in your own backyard. Grow it in your own pot. You know, yeah. hot liquor. Got okay. It. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. And don't depend on all these people because if you take a look at the old um, records, as I wrote a story on Dr. Jones, and in my research, uh, it showed that many of the insurance companies that we still have today, as you know or may know, that they started during slavery time because they insured the slaves. Mm -hmm. And that's how those people down south and even up north, because we did have slaves here, that's how they got paid. And they knew if they lost one or a bunch, they were going to get paid. So that's how like New York Life and all those other ones, mm -hmm, Wells Fargo, mm -hmm, all of them got their little startup because of, the, of slavery. All right? Yeah. Of covering the enslaved because we were a dime a dozen. So if you take a look at their records, and some of these people had to deal with that, making sure that they healed themselves. Their records of um, the insurance companies actually say back in 1898 that by the year 2000 all the blacks people Africans were going to be dead be gone it can be wiped out of America by the year 2000 that's what it says in their actuary reports Wow right why the reasoning why is because there was no doctors around that was going to treat us remember back in the day if you're going to be treated you had to go to the veterinarian was the one who was going to come take care of you mm. it wasn't going to necessarily be that regular doctor for the other persons you know not to say that they didn't because when they did come out to treat you they were giving you something to see if it was going to work for the other people because you're going to be the guinea pig like they're trying to deal with now you know so you had all these different things so we had to take care of ourselves we're survivors you know, we got our own doctors, we got our own midwives, we got our own nurses, we got everything else. And now all the things that we used to have, everybody else try to take it over and say, oh, oh, it's, it's something that we started. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. Anyway, I'm getting off track here. Uh, we also have the children of the Hygienic School for Colored Children. And that school started around, uh, it was a color school, it was just a color school. And it started somewhere around 1876, somewhere in there. And it was just a little shed of a school on the corner of Trevitt and Conestoga Street. Where is that? That is uh, down this hill and off to your right. And the building is no longer there because then they moved them over to the corner of Bailey and Adams Street, which is now Frank Brown Boulevard. But um, school is not there. There is a playground there, and I'm gonna have a monument, which is in the works right now. A monument should be done, um, but it won't be erected until 
probably in September, October, because of you know what's going on. So um, it is dedicated to the children and the teachers. And I've done a lot of research on the teachers. And uh, Mr. Carey, which is right here, right behind you, there's a couple of, the first uh, little tiny standing erect headstones. You see Carrie right oh, yeah. there? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, he was actually with the care, one of the caretakers from the Midland Cemetery years ago. And Mr. Carey came up here uh, out of slavery. And he was one of the first uh, school teachers for this, uh, the hygienic. Okay. Now, I don't think he liked it because once he um, it got established, he kind of fell out of it and, and went back into what he loved the most because he liked working with his hands because he was like a carpenter enslaved. And um, as he, I trickled through his entire life because I did his grandson's genealogy and I found some phenomenal stuff on them. I found not only what uh, plantation they came from, but also where the Weiss plantation was located at. And how do I get this history into the classroom? How do I get them to understand the history? And we're dealing with kids from all over the world that came together into these classrooms. So where's, is a, what other better place could I be at to make sure that when they grow up, that they don't have that hatred towards their neighbors or against a color or whatever, because they grew up as one. And if that can start here, then let it happen. You know, so that's just me. I'm done. You done? Mm -hmm. so, <laughs> what? I can listen all day. So the, yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Um, yes, so the, the preservation part of it. Yes. So um, I know she gave you a little bit on kind of what the cemetery was in York and how, you know, you, you alluded to a lot of it, a lot of being buried on top of each other and that, you know, from, I guess, all the way back, how do you feel, how do you feel that started? Like, I mean, you know, they, they were slaves and but the just disregard of, I guess, human life, I guess, is what the, what the question is. Well, I, the preservation part of it? Yeah. Okay. Um, sorry about that. No. Um, That's why we edit. <laughs> well, as far as the preservation, I had my son with me on a wintry, wintry, cold, icy day, and they wouldn't let us go down uh, Sweater Street. So... I had to figure out how to get home. You know, it's only so many ways to get in the still, you know? So through ice and snow, we came down the street and I said, I told my son, hey, my grandfather's buried over there. I said, maybe in the springtime, we can come up here and start cleaning it up. So I start, I, that's what happened. My grandfather, David Murray, is the reason why I started this preservation. And I did it because of my parents, because I knew what they had tried to do when I was a little girl. And so that's what started it. But what really got kicked it in the butt is when I came up here and there was a woman right here, right next to the, my tire, uh, the Brandt family. And uh, the daughter, uh, this part was cleaned off, and the daughter um, was placing flowers down. And she said, oh, you're probably gonna clean off, you know, your own folks before you clean off anybody else. I'm like, well, you can come and help. You know, she got back in her car and left, you know. <laughs> the thing is, is that I'm like, okay, I'm a challenger, you know, people say you can't do something, I'm going to turn around and show you that I can, mm -hmm. and that's what happened. I was like, uh-huh, I'm going to clean off my last, and that's what I did. For the most part, that's what I did, because there's still people under the trees back here. When I ran out of bodies to help, money to help, I ran out of, you know, whatever, you know. And I think, you know what, they're okay, they're okay. And we have people that's going to be coming in probably uh, when this virus gets done, and like delete it, you know, but not take down the trees. 
trying to make sure that we're still preserving it. But I need a little bit of backdrop for people to not have to look at the man next door who has a mess over there. <laughs> you know? yeah. So our preservation efforts is making sure that we maintain it. Uh, with having, and you see that it's not too high. I mean, there's weeds. Weeds always grow. But uh, as far as the grass is, is concerned, the grass is low. It's looking good. Um, we have memberships, drives that help us. And, you know, people are dying off. And the younger folks aren't looking at it as a thing that they need to pitch in and get that $15 per year to buy a ticket gas or something like that. Uh, but we do our best. Like I tell people, I don't need to have a lot of money. I just need a lot of people, yeah. you know. And um, I can do without the money. Just bring the people so we can get the work done. And right now we're trying to work with um, getting it on the National Registry. I'm not saying that uh, the National Registry is going to bring in money because it won't. It's just going to say it's got status and so therefore we're going to take care of it beyond the scope of the next 30 years, you know. But we need to make sure that it is preserved, that these stories that I'm writing, that they're documented beyond my brain, you know, mm -hmm. so that they're they're on paper, they're on the website, they're on someplace uh, in the archives. I donate a lot to the uh, Pennsylvania State Museum uh, archives up there to make sure that uh, our history, our African American history, is taken care of. And that's one thing that we really need to push because when I got a letter, and I just looked at this again. I got because I'm always digging through my stuff. <laughs> I got a letter saying I was the first person, first person of color to donate to the African American collection for the Pennsylvania State Museum. What kind of stuff wow. is that? Yeah, you know. So we, because we don't look, we didn't look at ourselves as valuable. We didn't look at our history as valuable. You know, we're just like, okay, oh, he's the first, he's the first. What about the other people that helped that first? You know. And so I try to make sure that our stuff is not only in the Pennsylvania State Museum, but it's also in um, like the Dauphin County Historical Society. You know, I'm trying to build a collection of stuff down there. I'm trying to make sure that wherever our items are coming from, even if they don't belong to the state of Pennsylvania, like even I have an aunt that I found some of her old papers, but she was living in Baltimore, Maryland area. She used to go to the market down there. You know, the, the famous market down there in, um, in Baltimore? Mm -hmm. And so when I reached out and said, now who should get this and get that? They said, oh, send it to us, you know, because it documented what she did and how she used to sell chicken fat at the market. That was before Crisco, you know what I mean? Or like several months ago, I was given uh, those elongated uh, pictures, panoramic pictures of the African-American men out of World War One. Guess what? I couldn't even get them in Pennsylvania. Nobody in Pennsylvania wanted them because they already had their stuff. But they said, hey, reach out to World War One Museum out there in Kansas. You know, maybe they'll take it. And before that, that email really got sat on their desk, man, they were calling me up and saying, can we have them? Yeah. So then I went through the expense and got them shipped off, you know, so that they could have it. Because apparently, way back in the day, when those commanders and people got done with that organization or you know the units and whatever they tossed those things in the trash or they got burnt down because they had been in the uh, Fort Leavenworth um, storage area which got burnt down you know a good portion of it got burnt down so they didn't have that record and because of, just like with the Pennsylvania State Museum when I was doing uh, research for them years ago trying to get more black history in there I found out that one of the let's say predecessors 
didn't care about our history and just dumped it right into the bins and threw it away. So how do we rebuild it or how do we build it? I don't keep things. I, I gather things, but I don't want to keep things because I know my son. I know my daughter. They will come in there with a big old dumpster and say, it's out of here. <laughs> you know? So I want to get them to where they need to go. You know, while I have control of it. And so those pictures are in the World War I Museum from the McKinney family, you know? And everything that I'm gathering for the Hygienic School for Colored Children to document the students that went there, their teachers that went there, the different colleges that's doing their paperwork that went to the, you know, these people are buried here, you know? The first teachers are buried here. Preservation is not just cutting the trees, it's preserving your ancestors' histories, you know? And so that's what I'm trying to do. Make sure that we preserve and take care and don't hoard. Oh God, don't hoard. <laughs> I'm like, I said, that corner goes to the hygienic. That, go, that's, that goes to the uh, state museum. This corner over here, oh, we make sure that goes to such and such place. You know, when I go, bring everybody in here and let them just go, go for it. You know, this is for whomever, whatever. Send this to wherever, you know, it needs to go. And that's what you need to do. Don't hoard it, don't keep it, you know, document it and get it out. You know, make sure that we maintain ourselves. Okay? Young man? Yep. Got that? Mm hmm So you can bring somebody up to visit with Trinity? You know, you can bring the whole chapter up. Please do. Yeah. Uh -huh. Please do. Yeah. That would be cool. Yeah. Trinity would be very, very yeah. happy because in death, I mean, in life, he was the, the janitor. Mm hmm. So was his father. Yeah. And he was a janitor at the Dolphin County Courthouse. Dolphin County Courthouse. And when I went down to get the records, guess what happened? records are gone. Cause he had worked there. Now you know what? Now the courthouse and the people who make all the laws, they're the ones who say well, you got to keep these records for how many years? 99 years, right? Mm -hmm. That's what the average is. 99 years. They got to be stored. Huh. Go down there looking for those records. Those records are gone. Gone. Mm -hmm. They don't know where they're at. You know? And mm -hmm. that's the sad thing. Now, I know Trenner worked there because he was a post antigen and so all his little uh, cards that he fill out for all the veterans that came back from World War One, Two, and such. Mm -hmm. I have all those cards. Yeah. But I also have them copied. I have them documented, and they're out there in the world. Mm -hmm. We got to make sure that Trina's story is told. And his historian, your historian, down in Florida. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's a white guy. Okay. He was the one who reached out to me. Yeah. And say, hey, I saw your story about this. You know. Did you know and can I have? You know, mm -hmm. and that's how I got really good pictures on Trinner. Okay, all right, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, you know, it's just great stuff. But we have to make sure we teach our children. We have to teach this world, you know, this world. Because it's a shame that one person had to die so that we could finally get people to understand and recognize what we're about. Mm -hmm. We're not trying to, we are not a hating people. Yeah. We are not, you know. And when you're digging into your history yourselves, you take a look at your name. Mm -hmm. You know, where's it coming from? You know, 38% of all African, African Americans right here who have been here for centuries are 38% Irish or Scottish. Yeah. 38. How many have you seen that his last name is McKinney mm -hmm. or McKinney? Or McDaniel's. Murdoch. That's my there last you name. Go. Yeah. There you go. We did my whole genealogy. Where do you get yeah. that name from? Mm -hmm. You know, this is this is you know. They say go back, go back to where? Yeah. Which part of me is going here, there, where? 
Yeah, no. kind of got, got Russian, got Finnish in me. The only person that got the, the mm -hmm. full blood of them, they need to get the heck up out of here. Yeah. You know, because we're a hodgepodge of everything. We are the best of whatever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? The ones who survived. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> we are the survivors. Yeah. Put their butts at the bottom of the boat. I bet they wouldn't matter. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And what? Out, please. What? <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, what year did they stop burying? Uh, 1986 is the last documented burial, and they're buried down there by that brown bench and that mm -hmm. tall tree. Okay. And they stopped burying here for what reason? Well, because uh, supposedly they were out of room, even though. Let's say the room, all of the plots were purchased up, okay? But then, like I said, it was all full of trees and they couldn't get in as people, as time went on. Plus, the fact that William Howard Day, which is right up the back of this road, the back end of it, it started in 1942 and that is um, the burial spot for the blacks, which is right next door to the uh, Baldwin Cemetery, which was for all the whites. Okay, so that was ooh the new cemetery. So ooh, I want to go to the new cemetery. It's nice and neat and it's clean and it's you know we're going to get buried over there. You know, we had to bury him somewhere. You know, other than in the Susquehanna River. So and I say that only because down, down Colonel Burr down here in High Spar, the next little town down because our school's called Stilton High Spar mm -hmm. High School. Mm -hmm. Colonel Burr back in the 1800s, in earlier part. He had 300 slaves. But guess what? I keep looking for them. Uh, All right? Now I know of one black cemetery down there and it's not holding a whole bunch of people. Uh -huh. Now Berg was all over the place and they took his butt his wife, he and his wife, and they moved him down into the other cemetery down in Middletown. Left everybody else behind. I don't know if you're from this area, have you ever been to this area, been down in Middletown? You yeah. know, on the main drag, you'll see like a, a old building for the Pizza Hut. You see the Twin Kiss. You'll see a gas station and you'll see a little small plaza. You go right there to that corner at that red light. You go up to your left. And as you and try to envision this as you're going up the hill, you'll see like old slave shacks as you go up the hill. And as you go up the hill, you turn off to your your left. And right there, old slave master's house still sitting there. Okay? Now, where's the bodies? Where's the bodies? He had the His house was built so he could look down over at the Susquehanna River. Where's the bodies? Still looking for them. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, cemetery lady. <laughs> mm -hmm. How did the um, the hallowed ground project get started? The the Pennsylvania hallowed ground. Oh my! That got started oh, back in like 2000 something. <laughs> Goodness. We did the grand review in 2010, so probably around that time, 2009, 10. So it got started to recognize uh, the USCT that are buried in the hallow grounds, the United States Colored Troops. Mm -hmm. And that's how I got pulled into it, you know, to help document, make sure that we find cemeteries around um, the area that were holding the bodies of the United States Colored Troops. And that's what it still is primary thing, but I have expanded it over the years to make sure that we are being inclusive of why they became a USCT and also um, the people that came after them. So it, it got started with a few people and it just kind of expanded 
you know, that we're trying to make sure that we have about 150 cemeteries that we're trying to make sure that um, if they need help, yeah. that hopefully we can help them. And we're also, um, you know, just trying to use this as a uh, catalyst or to, as a template for people to be able to say, well, hey, she did it, maybe we can. Yeah. You know, that type thing. So we just do what we gotta do. Try to keep the history going, you know? I mean, just like with Midland, and nobody was watching, and you have the, the street that's over the cemetery, you know? And if they were watching, the people didn't have a voice, you know? So there you have what somebody probably started walking down through it to get to the other side very quickly. And next thing you know, you have a bicycle trail, you have a cart path, you have this and that, and next thing you know, what a road. And then if you go down here and take a look at how the houses, I see that house on the corner, that white one, mm -hmm. and that barn, um, yeah, garage across the street. You look at the width of the road right there. And then you go to the top of the hill and you look at the width of the road from this here man's driveway to the other side of the school property, the width. And then take a look at our property. And all of a sudden, that width that is like this, is now like this. So when you take a look at the headstones that's at the bottom end, you say, where's the bodies? The headstones are there. They moved the headstones back, but they moved, and they moved the street back. And they did not infringe on the people across the street because it wouldn't be in their living room. But they removed the bodies that was here on this side. They didn't remove them, they pushed them to the side. Now I found documentation about how they used to um, put the bodies in the ground. Now, the one man, Mr. Carey, his grandson, who I interviewed, and he's in his 80s. When he was 12 years old, he used to come up here and, with his grandfather to have a little job, and he would help to bury the babies. And he would say his grandpa would tell him, well, that's deep enough, go ahead. But then, unfortunately, if you go back into the 1800s and you look at some of the complaints that were coming out of the area, you find that they didn't bury them deep enough. You know, six feet, what's six feet? Okay, down deep, throw something on it. But then you found out that dogs were uh, digging them up. And the dogs were eating them. You know? And uh, they it's documented in the newspapers, the local newspapers here, about the dogs eating the cadavers. Or, you know, what's left of them? You know? Babies in the mouths, you know? Arm in the, in the mouth or something. Because you have wild dogs everywhere. You know? They knew they were going to get some, some fresh meat that night. You know? So... What do you do? So, I'm, I'm going to whip that dog's butt. <laughs> you know? yeah. But yeah, um, preservation, education, that's what we have to do, okay? And definitely restoration, you know, because these people do not deserve to be under all the weeds and the trees and the debris, and, and they don't deserve to have people, you know, destroy them, knock over their headstones, and not, you got veterans here, but even beyond the veterans, to have respect for the deceased. You have to. You should. And that's what we need to do. It's beautiful. I mean, it looks like a park a great now. job. Yeah, I mean, it's... You know, I mean, we've had Eagle Scouts here that uh, help with the fences. Uh, not fences. Well, with the fencing. Mm -hmm. And we had another group or another Eagle Scout who got his bag because of he and his grandfather building all the benches. Mm -hmm. uh, we had another Eagle Scout that did the fencing out the front. We had another Eagle Scout to help with um, getting um, 
the website, the one where you can click on, because that was one of my dreams, you just click on it, and then you would have somebody uh, read their obituary or talk about their lives or whatever. And so he helped to develop that with the group. So I've had four, five Eagle Scouts uh, that over the years that got their honors because of working here at the cemetery. So, you know, uh, have, they have to show leadership, you know, and they have to show that they can handle it. And most of them, there's a couple of them that are very, very, very shy. <laughs> By the time I got done with them, they're like, ah! <laughs> so, it worked out to their advantage to hang out with me. <laughs> And I really like to, you know, help out the kids and get them to understand and learn, you know, and appreciate the history of it, you know. So. And their parents and their grandparents that got to come with them. So, you know, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. They live right here. I didn't know that. You know, so it's all good. So I hope I answered your questions. I mean, I could keep on talking, yeah. but, uh, you know. No, this is great. I mean, so we... Um, this has all been sort of like a rabbit hole that, that we've fallen down. Mm -hmm. um, and then, uh, you know, looking into what's going on at Lebanon Cemetery. Mm -hmm. And then we've been doing some um, some volunteering there during their cleanups and then um, talking to some folks to, to Sam and Tina Charles. And um, it, that just sort of led us into, you know, yeah, an interest in like sort why, of... When they stopped burying here because yeah. you said they ran out. So it seems like over there they ran out a long time ago, but they, they're, they're finding a way. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, I don't bury anybody. I ain't trying to. It's not my job. God did not give me that assignment. <laughs> <laughs> but everybody, you know, it's not a Marble Barksdale thing. It is Friends of Midland. It is a community. And when they're here, I'm always teaching them about such and such person. You know, like if, you know, for people that's from Harrisburg, Reverend Wilburn's buried over here, his son is buried over there. Um, and the church, the First Baptist Church from Stilton is because of Reverend Goldman and then the Goldman Memorial Church in Harrisburg is because of Reverend Goldman. Then we have Mr. Jeffers who's over there and uh, Dr. Jeffers who was his son. And so it's just, um, we've just got to make sure that we've got this history going on over here, you know. Yeah. Uh, you've heard of the Stevenson twins, you know, the musicians, their ancestor is right there. Um, you know, and I said, come over to the cemetery. I wanted to uh, introduce you to somebody. They thought I was trying to get them oh. over here to die. So I'm like, no, not. <laughs> no, I want you, I want to introduce you to your ancestors. That's all. <laughs> so, it's um, just trying to make sure that people understand about their history. That's all. And that's all we can do. And hopefully all the other cemeteries are, are doing that too, you know. Sharing the history, documenting the history, making sure that um, you know we're all putting it out there as a group effort, you know, and not one is better than the other, you know. It's just trying to make sure that we're doing it collectively, and I'm trying to help on a national level to make sure that we document every single cemetery in the United States, okay? And so. We're trying to get all of our Congress people and senators and such to sign on for that. And uh, we got a link on our website for that. Yeah. So we're, I'm really pushing to, to get that taken care of too. So yeah. I got a little, a bit of irons in the fire. Yeah. But, you know, it's all for the better. Yeah. You know, because otherwise I'd be sitting around just getting better. <laughs> <laughs> Something to focus on. Yeah. And young man, did I answer your questions? You did. You did, yeah. yeah. We're just going to kind of roam for a minute and then yeah. okay. 
mm-hmm. and I think the others did too. Mm-hmm. Are you so have have folks filled you in on sort of what's hap- been happening down at the Lebanon Cemetery? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, well, um, I've been, you know, in connection with uh, Tina and uh, you know a few others, and I see what they're doing on their website and you know Facebook and stuff like that. Yeah. And I know that they're going through struggles also. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully, whatever we get to do up here will translate to what they're doing down there. You know. And I know they're having problems with ownership and all that good stuff too. Yeah. Which is always a problem because you just never know if the owners are going to pop out and say, it's my land. Yeah. Well, if it's your land, to get take, get started taking <laughs> Take care, care of, it. of it, yeah. Right, right, because otherwise, well, you're going to end up in jail. Yeah. So, I've tried to find the owners to Midland years ago, and I traced the one woman all the way out to California. And so I was looking for the descendants, and I guess the man chickened out because he never showed up. You know, now one of the relatives of Mr. Dunkel, who was, remember I said that he was the, uh, the mayor of Steel, when they, I think they were called the Burgess or something like that back in the 1800s. And um, she came up and met me, she gave me all the documentation, everything about their life story, their history and stuff like that. But it had nothing to really say, okay, well, you can have the cemetery, you know. So basically I got some water's rights, because it's been beyond 20 years. glad to have me out here. Yeah, I'm sure, me. yeah. Because <laughs> otherwise I'd be ready to heck about, get out there and clean this cemetery. Yeah. <laughs> you know what happened is that when I first got started, I said, yeah. Who's they? They were going to put me in jail because um, Jake Franklin had to give the property. Because it was, like I said, all full leaves and trees, right? So with it being condemned, um, they said, well, it had to be condemned, and what they were going to do was re- remove all the bodies, take them up to the other cemetery, Howard Day, and then they, look at this, what do you have? You see, over there, you see Cumberland County, okay, mm-hmm. and on a good day in a positional area, you might be able to see all the way over to the South Mountain area, okay? You'll be able to see the new houses that they built over Camp Hill. So you're looking up here towards Perry County, you know? This is like three counties, they are right here. You got prime land for this group of reason. Mm-hmm. You know? And so you're overlooking this is the highest point right here. Yeah. And so you're overlooking everything. Wouldn't it be a place to have houses? And that's what they were going to do. Uh-huh. So when I came out and said, you know, So they had the TV channels there. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh Lord, I was like standing there shaking. Like, <laughs> am I going to have to do this? And I did it. And because of that, because I'm in public, and I told them everybody was going to do to me. That's the end of that. Sometimes you got to put yourself out there. You know? it's not, I wasn't scared to speak. I was scared to say what was on my mind. Your truth. You know, because I, I've been a speaker all my life. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm a nurse, okay? 
my, my background is in nursing, and then I taught anatomy and physiology for five years at the Academy of Medical Arts and Business. Oh, wow. So I'm used to talking, Yeah. you know? <laughs> but when I was dealing with this, I'm like, oh, yeah. am I going to say the wrong thing? Are they going to cart me off? <laughs> yeah. You know what I was saying? Yeah. Like, mm. So, by the grace of God, it all worked out. Yeah. Yes, indeed. We did good. Yeah, you did. You did. Yeah. Great. And it's hot. Yeah. Thank you so much. This is this is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad Thank you me. came. Yeah. Now with this here podcast thing, how does that work? We have a lot of wonderful people buried here too. You know, not only do we have um, you know, the American slave, we also have uh the guys from the United States Color Troops buried here, like Mr. Samuel Cole, all right, uh, was a USCT. We have, uh, down there, we have Mr. Andrew Hill. We have, oh my goodness, um, you have you I've seen a movie called uh, Glory? Yeah. All right, that was about the 54th, right? Okay, so we have the guys who were in the 55th. Oh, wow. All right, and they're straight ahead of this tree, past Mr. Phoenix and all the way down the road. And his mother is buried right there near the foot of him. And in her obituary, it shows that her six dower sons carried her body up from the old um, First Baptist Church and brought her body up here to lay her to rest. And she has a long flat headstone and her son is right next to her, which is really nice because I was doing research on him for the Grand Review several years ago and to find some of the information and I was trying to find his relatives and look like the mother or the wife uh, with the children who were surviving moved down to Washington DC wow. and then I lost sight of them so I'm like oh man I was trying so hard to find them but we have them um, throughout the cemetery the United States Color Troops we have uh, the Buffalo Soldiers up here near the uh, entrance area is Mr. Allsbury on one side and um, uh, Mr. Matthew, on the other side here, uh, just to point out someone that's quite close to us. Uh, you've heard of the 9th and 10th Cavalry? Okay, Cavalry meaning that they were on horseback and the infantry is on foot. So we have the Cavalry there, the 9th and the 10th, which was most of the famous Buffalo Soldier units in the country. And um, those men, they traveled the West, yeah. you know, and got to see some of the things that were in, you know, impacting their lives as well as what's impacting the country even to today. And that is the removal of the American Indians because of their commanders were mostly Confederate uh, commanders that needed a job as they did too. So anyway, um, not only do we have the, uh, the Buffalo soldiers, we also have a Tuskegee Airman and he is, I believe, over next to the um, Lilac Bush. Uh, we have we don't have a month for Point Marine, but we did honor them just a couple of years ago. Mr. Beatty here, I got him his. Um, I applied for him to get his uh, Congressional Medal of Honor, and we gave it to him up here. And fortunately, we got it to him, and he was able to participate in not one ceremony but two. And he was so elated about that, and then he passed away. So at least he got his flowers while he was living. So. And we also have uh, the guys from World War One and Two, and also the Korean War. We have an area that's further up the uh, on the other side of the large flag 
that is mostly our veterans, our, our newer veterans over the last seven, five years or so. And they're buried right behind you. And it's just uh, a hodgepodge of all of them. The cemetery also have not only our veterans and our slaves, but we also have those people that were the beginning of society. We have like a Trenner Beckwith. Trenner, Trenner, where are you? Trenner is like right in... There he is. Okay, Trenner is right here at this here flag. He was our first post uh, adjutant um, down here, post 479. And Trenner was educated. He was one of the very first, uh, I think it's called Sigma uh, fraternity. You know, I'm not really good with all the fraternities or whatever. But anyway, uh, huh? Really? Well, go meet your maker. And somebody put pennies on them. You know how that is. You're supposed to put coins down on our veterans, you know? So um, I had written a story for him about him several times that's been posted in our um, press and journal which is now totally different as of this summer and it's also um, a story on him in the african-american genealogy society international rendition book you know so yeah i had to make sure that i found every piece of trenner you know so educated but could not get anything but a janitorial job you know and that's the sad thing about it he is the founder one of the founders first people to go into that organization at Howard University mm -hmm. you know and but his father Charles which I'm writing his story on was one of the wonderful men that actually started a savings and loan here for the African-Americans to get themselves into a decent housing you know they had a, a rifle club a sharpshooters club they had everything going on and I mean but to go out into the mainstream of society, they couldn't really get it, you know? It's like, you know, and now they wonder why we say Black Lives Matter, you know? It's, it's really a trip, but um, anyway, um, we have a, a wonderful group of people out here. Not only the men, but we also have the women, you know, who are um, out here and they, they were like the mothers of the daughters of Zion, like Mount Zion Baptist Church. Mm -hmm. Uh, some of them are buried over here on this side, the tall uh, um, headstone there uh, for the uh, Mickens family, you know. We have the daughters, or the people who helped start the Monumental Amy Zion Church. And we have Mr. Fields, who is down near the bottom end in front of, of um, let's see, Sophia. And the last name is Fields, and they're right there as you drive out. And he was the one who did the um, the digging of the soil to break ground for the monumental Amy Church. Wow. And in his obituary, says he was a slave. He had been a slave. You know, we have Mr. Harris up here with his family. Mr. Harris in his obituary says, you know, I'm going to call myself Harris because that's after the person, uh, the, my own, my slave owner that was the best to me. You know. So that's how he took on his name. I ran into the granddaughter at the hospital one day and, I'm, and she's much, she's a little bit older than me. And she said, I said, Marjorie, do you know how you got your last name? And she said, no. I said, well, let me tell you. <laughs> then I sent her the paperwork to show. That's, that's his words saying that he took on the last name of Harris because of one of his favorite slave owners. Now, how is that? 
And you know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. all of us have a last name, and you more likely have a name that came across the water with you. Yeah. We got a name that came once we hit the soil, you know? And we, if you think about your last names, you have to say, well, why? You know, how is this? My last name is Barksdale, you know, even though it's a married name, my last name was Thomas. So it's like, I came from Thomasville, you know, Mr. Thomas, you know, yeah. one of those areas that somebody took on their last name or it was assigned to us. So it's a big difference. And that's why we say we matter, you know? Yeah, so anyway, I'm sorry, let's go up no, here, yeah. you know? Yeah, same birthday. Today. I wanted to kind of point this out to you. Which way did you come in? From the back way or down the freeway? Uh, from the front. Yeah. When we drove up, and then we walked in from over here. But we, we drove up around. Okay, so when you came down the hill, and you kind of came into the uh, little gully down there, did you take note of the uh, the signage that was on the other side of the street? We the saw the main. Oh, oh you talking about this one? No, not that. No. no. Down here. Uh -huh. No. No, see, okay, well, we're gonna have to go up just a little bit. Okay. Um, okay. Do you see the mailbox down there? The, um, the brick mailbox? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, and you see that light pole that's right there? Yeah. And you rode over the street, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. That's all Midland. Oh. Oh, wow. Okay. And on the other side, there's a bulletin board there that I have that lists some of the slaves. Oh. Okay? Yeah. On the other side, which you can't see because of the trees right now. But. So the street runs through it? Yes. Oh, yeah. No, we didn't even notice that over there. Yeah. So uh, there is a, a nice bulletin board that has uh, information about some of the people that are buried here. And then there's also information about the Buffalo Soldiers because they're buried here also, but not necessarily those. Uh, actually, there's a woman there, very, very fair-skinned woman that's on the, uh, the bulletin board, and she's buried right here, which happens to be my aunt, my great aunt, I should say. And there's a picture of my uncle, my grand uncle, who uh, was in World War One in his uh, military outfit, you know. So they're all on the uh, bulletin board over there because my great, great grandmother is also buried down here and I just found out about that like maybe 10 years ago yeah, yeah so uh, it's just a, like family link down here but under the street that mailbox that pole and half of the fencing up that hill is the original part of the Midland Cemetery okay okay so I just wanted to point that out before yeah. we sat down and got comfortable with it and hopefully you'll get a chance to go down there and take a look at the, yeah. uh, the bulletin board oh, yeah, once absolutely. you drive down. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alright, but I want you to check it out so you can see it, okay? There's a lot of little bits of history um, because this is Whitefair Township. Uh, the listing of the slaves on there are not necessarily all of those who are included in here, but this was, uh, Pennsylvania was a slave state and we know how they were treated and how they had to be buried because those who were um, you know, enslaved at the time, that if the owners of them wanted to or had to bury them, they had the rights by law to bury them at the edge of their property. So since this was the property and I know where the old slave house used to be, uh, it only takes reason to say that this is where they have placed the slaves, okay? And it was supposed to be the, the least likely of land that anybody would want or had any use for. You know, it's a waterway, it's out of the way, it's at the end of the property line, you know. And actually, the right where the brown house at is that on the old map, 
the very, very old map, it shows that it was the dump. So, in the White Cemetery, it's about a quarter of a mile down the road on a higher hill in a nice area overlooking all the, the mountainous areas. So, you know, what can you say? Times has changed. You know, either we're all going to be buried at the top or all going to be buried at the bottom. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> ground is brown. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, there, everybody don't want to get it twisted. <laughs> so, anyway, um, I just wanted to point that out to you. And the beginning of the cemetery where you see the fencing down here at the bottom end is uh, where we have some of the earlier people that uh, came into the cemetery the cemetery because prior to like the 1880s uh, earliest 1870s this uh, the street and the other side was considered the colored cemetery which I have the documentation on that okay so it just kind of expanded into uh, a small area for people to be buried and then as more people were coming into the area and had to be buried as the evolution of man in America then they start expanding the land and buy more land here from different neighbors and such so that they could have a place of burial. Yeah. All right. So who was buying the land? Who owned uh, Mr. it? Mr. Dunkel. Uh, Mr. Dunkel, he happened to have been our very first mayor in the borough of Stilton. You know, so which this is Sweater Township, like I said, down below where I live at is in Stilton. Okay. okay, and it's not far. I mean, you know, on the other side, you see where the school is at? Mm -hmm. That's White Art Township, but you go out the front door and down uh, onto the end of their property line, becomes Stilton. Okay. Okay. But Stilton is just a very small town, and it's shrunk kind of <laughs> a lot because of the flooding from Agnes from years ago. Half the people got dispersed and no place to put them to, to live and thrive anymore. So, but there's a lot of people here from the borough of Stilton, Harrisburg, Obviously, Spider Township, uh, and um, you know, people that just came from other areas, and they had no no way to get back home to be sent back home. So this is where they end up being buried. Okay. 